everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. Happy belated Halloween. Happy Election Day, since this is coming out on Tuesday. Uh, I know many of you have probably already voted in one form or fashion, but if you haven't, please, please don't do that. And uh, yeah, hopefully uh, hopefully it's a, not a too stressful a week for all of us on, on all of these fronts, Syracuse and otherwise. <laughs> Agreed, agreed. Not going to get into, uh, uh, you know, election talk here, but we'll say that obviously one candidate uh, went just to Syracuse. <laughs> yeah, just follow us on Twitter. <laughs> one candidate went to Syracuse um, f- without saying who. So, uh, yeah, go vote, uh, really, regardless of, of what you uh, what you want to happen. I'd say go vote. If you haven't, uh, try to do so. Hopefully your employer um, has made arrangements for you to be able to uh, go do that. And hopefully the uh, the amount of mail-in and, uh, and early uh, voting around the country uh, allows you to not stand in too long or too unsafe of a line um, if you are voting on election day. I'm gonna. I just verified that Howie Hawkins, the Green Party candidate, did not go to Syracuse. He's just because <laughs> I was about to say like maybe two, but he actually went to Dartmouth. So um, yeah, one one candidate went to Syracuse University, uh, and you can look look up that who that is. He supported the basketball team in the past. <laughs> He's been on campus. You a might bunch. find a photo of him. You might find a photo of him with Jim Mayheim. Yes, these are all things a that may be of, out there. If, if, that, if that posted on Twitter, if if a certain result happens on Tuesday, if that uh, if that influences your decision, I I have some questions, but also more power to you. Agreed, agreed. Um, so Dan, in less uh, I guess entertaining news, uh, Syracuse lost again uh, this weekend, thirty-eight fourteen to Wake. Uh, it was actually an interesting game for like a half. Wake looked like they were just going to be able to run all over us. Um, in the first half of the game, then they uh, they stopped doing so in part because Syracuse's run defense suddenly showed up. Um, but then Rex Culpepper kind of goofed away the game in a, in a matter of minutes, and uh, that was all she wrote. The uh, again thirty eight fourteen final score. Syracuse falls to one and six, uh, one and five in the ACC. Um, Dan, what are your initial thoughts on this one? Um, given that you kind of saw it in uh, in a truncated form. Yeah, I was away uh, this weekend and took my Saturday off. I think my first Saturday off of the Touchable season. So I like kind of made a point of not, you know, forcing myself to watch the game live. Uh, and I had other things to do. Um, I watched it today. Uh, I found a nice uh, YouTube video that was uh, uploaded that was probably not totally uh, legal. Um, but that allowed me to skip through like basically everything between plays. So I caught the whole game in like probably about 30 minutes, which was, was great, honestly. Um, probably missed a play here or two because the, they, the, editing wasn't great um but uh, and also the camera work in that game i heard people talking about it during it um very strange uh strange uh rough. directorial choices um, rough, from the people rough, rough game. <laughs> um yeah i would say uh i was just live i was like kind of following along on my phone um it felt less bad um watching it the way i did i guess and knowing the outcome than like you when i saw the 3814 store um, because it kind of all collapsed in that third quarter uh, and then the end of the second quarter. Um, and like, even in the first half, I thought, I thought Syracuse actually like kind of knew what it wanted to do on offense and had somewhat of an identity with Rex Culpepper in there, the short passes. Um, I thought Lutz looked really good. Uh, I think he, and I'm, I, I think he might end up kind of developing the more of an Irv Phillips role where we split him out. We put him in the backfield. We do like different things for him. Um, like Scott Shaver thought Ben Lewis was going to be despite no evidence <laughs> yes. of that being the case. <laughs> yes. Um, but I think like, if anything, I think there, if, if you want to be positive about this game uh, and have some good takeaways, it's that 
Um, he and Tucker both looked like really different and both really solid running backs um, who, you know, could really complement each other, I think, when they're both healthy. Um, and obviously they were like our, what, like fifth and sixth or sixth and seventh guys coming into the year. So it's, I mean, that's a good thing. Uh, and it speaks well of the recruiting class. Um, that being said, and I also think like the offensive line was able to get some things done uh, against a decent weight defensive line um, in terms of opening up holes. And they were a little more creative in that fashion. Um, honestly, and I hate to pin it on one guy, I think like more than any other game this year, like this game really came down to, to the quarterback play and like Hartman was decent and Culpepper just like really made some some really poor plays. The interceptions were both really dreadful. The fumble um, was was not great. It just like it, the, that whole sequence, uh, A, there were just like so many third downs where, you know, you had two decent plays early and then just like a throw nowhere on third or a big penalty with that like could have turned the momentum of the game and instead derailed things. And Wake just was able to take advantage of those in big ways, especially in that third quarter. So second straight um, week of that too, realistically, like yeah, even, like against Clemson, it was kind of the same thing. Like not to pin it all on Rex, but I, I, I think you know whether it was footsteps, feeling the pressure of the moment, whatever. Like I, I felt like SU went very quickly in both games in the third quarter from in it and potentially contending um, to at least like tie it up to. Um, suddenly two or three scores back and having no hope. Yeah, and I think, like, the biggest thing for me, and then to, to, at the end, watching Jacoby and Morgan step in and run, like, pretty much the same. And obviously, you know, they were against, they were against twos, and it was late in the game, down a lot. Um, so it doesn't tell you everything. But we were running pretty much the same stuff, like the quick hitters, the short passes, the runs with Lutz. And, like, just watching it, I, even if Morgan isn't the die long term, and, we'll, you know, we have no idea. Um I don't want to take away too much from like his seven for seven and his uh, 57 yards and his like little like pop pass throw to, uh, to um, Benson yeah. to Benson for the touchdown it was like, you know, wide open. Um, but like, I didn't see anything that, that made me think like he can't do what Culpepper is doing in this offense. And obviously Culpepper is super is, is limited in a lot of ways, but if, if the results going to be kind of the same, uh, if not like a little better, I just, I struggle to think why we can't just just let Morgan play now. Like, it just it's hard to watch Rex's game on Saturday and say like Morgan wouldn't at least be a little bit better. And I understand we've talked about like arguments against playing freshman quarterbacks before they're ready, especially like when they might get beat up or whatever. But I think the offensive line's gotten better throughout the season. Um, I think there are some weapons in this offense, and I think like we're kind of just beyond the point where there's like a ton of pressure to to have these huge games. We want to win, obviously. I think the downside is pretty much gone away from playing the young quarterbacks going forward um, against BC, against uh, the rest of the schedule. Now the Clemson's out of the way. Um, Louisville's defense is not very good. Like Notre Dame is the only one where you'd be kind of concerned. But, you know, at that point, it's the end of the year, just like go for broke. You know, we won a game against Notre Dame once with a, a much worse assemblage of talent uh, in South Bend. So, um, yeah, I just think I'm very much at the point where like, you just, just, I want to see Morgan in there. Like I thought I saw enough good, um, to at least be intrigued. And if he's awful, you, you know, like it, it is what it is. Like we're not, we're not definitely getting great play as, as is. So, um, hopefully you, your, the coaches can, can stay positive and keep him from cratering if that's the case. And we don't even know that he would crater because there are quarterbacks who overcome that stuff. Um, it's a very case by case basis. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's very much where I am now after watching the game uh, in the fashion that I did. Like, I just, I appreciate rats, especially his story is tremendous. Like he deserves all the plaudits for, for everything he's overcome. And I'm 
you know, happy he's still at Syracuse and really stuck it out and has been an awesome teammate by all accounts. But um, I think now, like, we're, you know, we're, we're, we have four games left. Let's, let's see what we got and, and try to make something of this season. Getting our fifth, fifth year quarterback more reps just doesn't really accomplish that. Yeah. I mean, I kind of touched on some of this uh, in the Sunday piece. And realistically, like, you know, Dino, I know he like threw a little bit of cold water on, on the idea of Morgan like being a world beater after going seven for seven, as you mentioned. But, like, realistically, like, we have some hope there that things can improve with Rex. Unfortunately, like, we don't have hope that things can improve this year. We don't have hope that things can improve next year because he's not part of the long-term plan. Like, you know, Rex started eight for 10 on a bunch of like short screens and like they were effective to some extent. And like, yes, he was completing passes. However, the two incompletions in that stretch were awful. And realistically, like from that point on, you know, he was seven of 17. Like, again, he as mentioned, he threw a couple bad picks. He fumbled. He had a couple other bad balls that could have been picked. Like th- this was like the second half of this game in particular was uh, was pretty miserable, um, similar to the second half of the last game. Now, like Morgan came in again against second team, but ran the offense. And like Dino said afterwards that, you know, th- they had the full complement of the playbook with Rex. And like, I find that hard to believe at this point. Um, even if you had the full complement of the playbook with Rex, uh, he's certainly not executing it uh, extremely well. And I, and I do feel like, and I think most fans feel like at this point, like just go with Morgan. And if he starts to struggle, maybe give Markowitz some, some, some run. Like there, there's absolutely nothing to lose here at this point. You know, Syracuse is obviously headed towards a losing season. That's a given at this point. Uh, now it's like, what can you do to make sure that this doesn't happen again? Because to be honest, like the, pro- the problem isn't the defense. Um, and despite the fact that the defense has dealt with plenty of injuries, I thought they've acquitted themselves fairly well. Yes, they've given up points, but you can see a quality of play on that side of the ball. Like, realistically, this is an offensive issue and like not even an offensive issue, but a, a quarterback specific issue. Like, look what happens when, when, you know, somebody like Cooper Lutz, like you said, sixth, seventh string running back gets the ball. Look at someone like Sean Tucker, who was not really on like the depth chart initially. And look what happens if he gets the ball. Nakeem Johnson had a great bounce back game here, uh, you know, against Wake, where I felt like this is like the first game in a while uh, where Nakeem really showed up in the box score um, and looked great, both running, uh, you know, and, and catching the ball, like just again, quality player who, who just has been underutilized. Um, for the last couple of years. And, you know, while Taj didn't get the ball a ton, he, he, he was targeted, like, and realistically, like Luke Benson catching that ball. Yes, he was wide open on the, on the touchdown, but like, why aren't we using, uh, you know, the, 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 these tight ends more? I mean, realistically, like we can continue to like list out guys who were just like, I mean, Courtney Jackson, four catches, 24 yards, like a guy who was mostly used, um, you know, w- with Morgan and um, even, you know, Sherrod Johnson, not a guy who like, has ever like really jumped off the page. He's been at SU, but somebody else that like we can utilize, like I'm not saying that these are amazing players, but there are enough athletes on this team to use more than they have been used. Um, I mean, even someone like Damian Alford who caught his first pass um, at SU um, over the weekend, like guys, six, five, he's over 200 pounds. Like this is somebody who we can use at Hendricks, same deal. Like these are guys who we can use. And I just feel like Culpepper to this point, hasn't necessarily used any of them a ton. Like, Let's just see what we like. I, honestly, I'd rather lose 38 14 with Morgan out there um, than lose 38 14 with Rex out there. And I feel like a lot of SU fans uh, agree. And I think really, like, it's not that I think Dino's job's in danger for this offseason, but I do think Dino's lo- has a chance to lose this fan base if he doesn't start planning towards the future. Because if you're going to lose, you need to be 
building hope and building towards something. Yeah, I, I think obviously there are always going to be people who like just look at this, the the scoreboard and say like this is definitively like going you know falling apart. But like we have enough we have enough fans who are kind of nuanced and can understand like hey let's start building something here and and really working towards like an end game um, or like another 2018 where you have this really well rounded team developed. And this is like this is a prime time. We're not going to get bowl practices. Um, we have game fail. We have, we have four games to do it. Like that's in this kind of season, you have to find the like little moments of value in every, you know, everywhere that you can. And it's just, it's hard to not to think that people will come around on the idea of like, we're just getting the young guys out there and giving them run and they'll be better off for it in a year or two, because they'll, they'll get a lot of like the, the cobwebs that come with not playing uh, in your first college football game out of the way. Um, obviously it sounds like we'll have like, more flexibility in terms of like red shirts and stuff because of uh, rule changes and um, just don't have to worry about that as much. And, and just, just like see what you got. Like even, even back like during the Schaefer years, like how much more excited were we to see like what AJ Long might be, even if it didn't, it didn't work out, but um, he almost be Clemson the one time. Like there were at least, at least you have something where you could say like, this could end up being something. And if it is like, we can point to it. We saw that with Dungey early on. Um, when you know he was kind of a little known but like in interesting quarterback out of Oregon he came in uh in a position where we really didn't expect him to and you know you turn turn fast forward four years later and he's a he's a you know cult stat cult figure in in Syracuse football lore so um yeah and like he he got his first run in bad seasons like this uh and and that stuff adds up and people still have good memories from those years too so yeah, I, I just I just think there's no real downside. Um, and and obviously Dion knows his players better than we do. And if he thinks it's it would be bad for their development, then like I'm willing to hear that argument. But um, every game that goes by, it's harder and harder to make that case. I think. Yeah, I, I agree there. I think realistically, like Dino has to understand the moment at this point, and I know he's never really been in this situation. He mentioned that before last season um, that you know he'd never been kind of on like like what happens after you get to to, to the mountaintop to some extent. And, and like the peak of maybe what you can do um, at, at, at a school and like, you know, continue and, and try to make that a long-term thing. And like, so far, like, I think he's brought in talent, but I think it's been underutilized. Uh, as you know, some uh, folks brought up in the comments, uh, rightfully, like, how do we keep ending up with these players who like, because of injury, they end up on the field. Um, but like, they, they're not given enough of a shot before the season. Like, you know, look at a guy like Tucker, who's obviously the best running back on the roster. Um, look at a guy like Lutz who, I mean, maybe it was just one game, but like he looked pretty good against, uh, against Wake and like filled a, a, a role that like we kind of thought Jawar Jordan was going to fill before he got injured. Um, Lutz is a little bit bigger. Uh, so, so I think that definitely helps, but like realistically, like there's a decent number of players here who, I mean, you know, Taj Harris in his first season, uh, was a guy who, you know, wasn't really used much the first few games and then suddenly was given a huge chance uh, to be able to contribute back in 2018. Like, I, I feel like on both sides of the ball, you can find it over and over again uh, where, you know, uh, a player ends up starting the year, like off the depth chart or low in the depth chart and then jumps in and is suddenly like extremely good. Like, I am curious. The, the staff is obviously very good at identifying talent at the high school level. Uh, I, I'm curious what the, what's lost in translation once guys get to campus where uh, they're not necessarily given the chance to, to show their stuff early, save a couple exceptions. Um, you know, I would say Andre Cisco uh, would be one of those. Trill Williams would be another, but, but there are plenty of other uh, names too. You can point to um, as guys who 
didn't well, like just do the guys who jumped in early, but also there's plenty of guys who uh, were unable to jump in early for one reason or another. And they ended up really showing um, us that they were, were, were great players once they hit the field. So it is kind of confusing there. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, the coach at some point, the coaches will get, get the memo here and, and we'll break it. Like it happens most years where you just kind of unload it. So hopefully they have a, a game plan moving forward. But like I said, like the, the schedule um, outside of that last Notre Dame game, um, like it's, it's pretty reasonable in terms of like, even if they lose all four of these games, like they shouldn't be super crazy overmatched for against BC, Louisville, NC state. I mean, they just played Clemson pretty tough. Um, those games even aren't like, they're not going to get shell shocked by those teams. I don't think. And then Notre Dame, like you, you know, hopefully you get them their three games under their belt and, and you take a swing at them. Um, and if you lose, you lose. Like, I, I just, I think I find a lot more value in like, Oh, look at that throw Morgan made. Like he does, he only makes that throw once in a while, but you know, hopefully in two years, that's just like a regular part of, of the, the uh, equation with him. And again, like the, he may not be the quarterback. It may be Markowitz. It may be Lampson. It could be, uh, I mean, DeVito could to just like, put it all together next year and look like the, the veteran quarterback that we thought he would be. Um, but like, you gotta at least like try to find out and give us something. So, uh, and then as for the defense, you brought it up before, like the 38 points obviously looks pretty bad. Um, watching the game, it, like it, we've had such a similar script. In a lot of these games where the first drive, uh, they are pretty susceptible. I don't know if it just takes this, this unit for one reason or another, a little bit to get like their footing against uh, different offenses, but then they, they look, they look really good for the rest of the first quarter and most of the second quarter. And then it's just like when you have the three and outs, when they start compiling, that's when things kind of fall apart there. And then obviously, like we handed Wake some just prime field position multiple times. So um, that miserable long touchdown that like nobody even touched the guy. That was horrendous. Um, which that's like that was early in the drive too. So that wasn't even like I don't think that was like a legacy. Thing. That was just like a blown coverage, and, yeah. and that's not great. Um, I will say my one big concern is that I think Liberty kind of exposed just our susceptibility to like in, inside zone and like in inside runs, which seems so basic, but if like you have a good center and two guard units and like maybe a decent like lead blocker, if you utilize a fullback, which so few teams do, or just like anything to get a, a numbers disadvantage there. Um, I think we uh, really struggle against that, which is not a great thing to struggle against because it's such like bread and butter for so many teams. So we did shore it up a bit, but, but Wake made a lot of, uh, had a lot of success running, running just pretty basic inside stuff. So that's not ideal. Um, but again, like we also haven't recruited for the three, three, five, which is going to require like bigger defensive linemen inside possibly. Uh, and just like more adept run, uh, like individual run defenders because we're giving up size. So, um, I think, I do think like, even with some of the like large point totals, uh, and these like constant cavalcade of 38 points that we give up, um, you, uh, you, you can kind of excuse it because I think you can see what's happening with Tony, with, with, uh, with Tony Stats unit, like, or Tony White's unit. Um, it just, it, it looks good for like two and a half quarters a game. And it just, you just like wonder what would happen. Uh, it's like the Georgia Tech games, a good example. Like that game is where the offense actually gave them a little bit, not like, uh, these like super long methodical drives, but they kept them off the field for a bit and the defense just kept on making big plays. Um, so hopefully we get more of that, but. Uh, I'm not worried about the points surrendered too much because so much of it's following like a similar pattern every game where it's their late third, fourth quarter when they just kind of run out of steam and being young guys and having less depth because of injuries, like that's kind of, you know, what's going to happen. Totally. And and you could look at, you know, we talk a little bit more about the defense before we get to halftime. Like I, I, I thought that while, while they didn't force any turnovers this time, uh, they almost had at least one pick 
Um, if not two, definitely still trying to strip the ball. I, I felt like in general, like you saw bigger plays start to add up. Like I think they only allowed, like, I think it was like two, at one point it was only two yards per carry um, in the third quarter. Like realistically, like they were doing things, they were doing things well. And you saw like once they stopped trying, and, and this has happened last two games, once they stopped relying on the front three down linemen to generate pressure and started utilizing uh, blitzes off the edge from linebackers, uh, from defensive backs, like that's when things started to get really interesting. And you saw some exotic blitzes and just different things that were going on. Like Garrett Williams got in there, uh, various linebackers got in there. Like everybody was, was starting to get involved. And this is without Trill, um, you know, a, a guy who who you would use who you would use in that uh, capacity a lot. Like once White kind of got like his bearings on 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 that on this game in particular, like Wake really wasn't like as explosive. Like realistically. Um, I would even argue like, you know, the box score says, you know, that they scored 21 points in the third. And, and I agree with that. Obviously that's the point total. But when you look at like what the defense was necessarily accountable for, it's really like that one big, um, you know, blown coverage. And that's really it. Like the SU's defense really did settle in um, from like the second quarter on and, and had a much better showing than, than the numbers. show. And you can see again, like you can look, as the game, the game flowed, and I'm sure you saw too, like you saw SU was suddenly in the backfield more. They were making tackles for loss. They were getting pressure on on Hartman, even if they couldn't get to him necessarily. Like there was a lot happening there. And I think for me, like that, that that's where I'm encouraged um, going forward this season and also into next season, given how young a lot of these uh, defensive players are. Yeah, I think one one last thing I want to know. Um, watching the game the way I did, where I was literally like using YouTube does like the ten second step ahead, and I would just do that until I got to the next play, and sometimes I have to go back because you know sometimes people were snapping the ball quick. Um, they wait, especially early on. Wake was like within that ten seconds snapping the ball, um, moved a lot quicker than Syracuse. I haven't looked up the pace numbers, but just like and it, like just watching the game, I could tell you like I was waiting. I was skipping a lot more time between Syracuse plays than Wake Forest plays. Uh, which is not how we really want to be running this offense. But also, if that's, like, the case with the fifth-year senior quarterback, even if he's the backup, like, it kind of reduces, like, it takes away some of the argument of, like, well, he just knows the offense better. He's better at, like, running how we want to, you know, how we want this thing to run when, like, you're how you're, you're slowed down to, like, 20 to 30 seconds between plays. So, um, you know, I, again, that's another thing where I'd rather see the freshman have to take that much time to, like, assess things than – than our fifth-year senior, um, given the circumstances. Agreed, agreed. Uh, Dan, before we get to halftime, let's talk a little bit about home field apparel, uh, everybody's favorite comfortable uh, vintage merchandise. Uh, you can get shirts, uh, various shapes and sizes, if you're a Syracuse fan, colors as well, um, like orange, blue, and the, uh, the school color platinum, uh, for, for, for those interested. Uh, but you can get 10% off at home field apparel, uh, with our code NUNES, N-U-N-E-S. Uh, Dan, have you, uh, w- w- I know you didn't watch the game live, but did you, were you still wearing a Syracuse shirt to try to throw something else into the rotation? I, I was. I've gone through all the shirts now. We've lost with every shirt that I have. <laughs> <laughs> I was back on the strip cues, which I wore, uh, I think, right, right after I had my home field stuff. Um, so we're just moving through. Uh, I, I don't know that I've caught any luck uh, with any of them, but I think we're going to go Vita the Dope this weekend. Um, yes, I was wearing Q stuff during the game. Uh, and like, you know, if, if the game had done been doing well, I probably would have found a way to watch it live. Um, but it did not. Uh, but yeah, the shirts are still good. Uh, they've held up through the wash. They're, they're just super high quality, super comfortable. 
Um, like there, there, are, there are other really soft, comfortable shirts where like you wear them and then you're like, this didn't have a hole in it in like two weeks. Does this, this like material just doesn't hold up? The Homefield shirts have hit of a really good midpoint of like being about as comfortable as anything out there. And also like just feel super like solid. Like they're, they're going to last a while. I, I have a, I have a very good feeling about that. So yeah, go get some if you haven't already. Treat yourself to a little post Halloween, uh, treat, um, or pre Thanksgiving, I guess. Uh, and yeah, just, uh, code noons get, get on it. Agreed. Yeah. I, uh, I had my, from like way back in like, I think 2013 or 14, this, uh, Nike, like basic Syracuse logo shirt, uh, that also failed. The only shirt that's, I mean, last week I had my old against Clemson. I had my uh, home field auto shirt, uh, that like maybe had some luck. Cause obviously we like play them tougher, uh, than one would have thought. The only shirt that's worked this year. And I mentioned this before was my, uh, 2009-10 Big East uh, regular season champions T-shirt. Oddly enough, so I might have to to bring that one back out for uh, for this weekend against BC. I think for the Georgia Tech game, I wore the '90s style blue uh, uh, Syracuse logo, um, and then I wore it again the following week when we lost to Liberty. So uh, definitely not um, not perfect, but that's the one that has given me luck. Basketballs, I think we'll find out a lot more because. Obviously, we've we've discussed widely. Like this football team is uh, going through some stuff. The basketball <laughs> team, I think, will. Uh, I mean, we're always going through some stuff with basketball, but it's uh, more complicated. Um, but we'll win some games. I, I'm pretty sure if there are games to win. So we'll we'll really we'll really start to test out the the karmic uh, implications of different home field shirts during basketball season. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to putting that to the test. But uh, Dan, since you weren't watching as much football this weekend, what were you drinking? So I was up in the capital region of New York for the weekend. Um, I spent some time at my buddy's brewery, Wolf Hollow, in Glenville, outside of Albany and Schenectady. Um, they have a really nice outdoor setup right now, lots of space. Uh, we had a nice fire pit going there, which was great, and uh, had plenty of beers. Had um, a bunch of their – I have the wrong untapped page up. Um, I had a bunch of their Big Stupid Stout, which I think is a relatively new one for them, super – Super boozy and heavy. I think it's like nine point six percent, but also drink like drinks really easily for that, um, especially for like a really fully flavored stout with a lot of like cocoa and some like peanut butter and some some other good stuff in there. Um, so yeah, surprising nice blend of like really alcoholic and like had I been watching the game would have been perfect for that. Um, also sitting outdoors in the basically the winter at this point, and uh, and still like you could put them back a bit. Uh, and then I also had. Uh, there for Love More Money, uh, North, uh, New England IPA, which is just really solid. Um, and then some more sour-based stuff. Uh, their Pog Juice Loud, uh, which is uh, a sour with passion fruit, orange, and guava. Uh, really delicious. And then a really nice sour IPA, uh, their Flora and Fauna, which is a really like deep uh, kind of pinkish sour IPA. Uh, I think they use Black Currant and uh, Vanilla. Really, really nice blend of flavors there. So enjoyed all of those intriguing yeah i uh i had a variety of different things i have founders uh they're a 2019 canadian breakfast stout uh that most people can get a hold on at this point at a uh, beachwood amalgamator ipa that i've mentioned numerous times tried the uh pumpkin ale from uh winta and i thought it was fine and some uh, little boat pills from smog city at a Speedway Stout from Alesmith that I mentioned before. And Speedway Stout's just, like, I think one of the best, like, uh, Imperial Coffee Stouts around. Had, um, from Modern Times and Stone, 
their uh, Wizards and Gargoyles uh, Hazy Coffee IPA. It was uh, kind of interesting. Uh, had a couple months on it, so it wasn't like amazing, but interesting nonetheless. Had some things going on. Had it from Sierra Nevada, uh, Wild Little Thing, uh, their uh, Slightly Sour uh, Ale. And then uh, from Smog City, I had a Snugglebug uh, that I've mentioned before. It's a sour from them. And that was really it. I also had some wine, but uh, we don't talk wine here. Yeah, I also, because I was upstate in the fall, I had uh, plenty of spiked, uh, spiked apple cider uh, warm outside. Just always always delightful. Nicely done. So uh, we have another game coming up, Boston College, before we hit a bye. Um, Dan, I guess first and foremost, do you think that Dino is going to start Jacoby and Morgan, or do you feel that his comments post-game seem to indicate that he will once again drop Rex out there for reasons unknown? Um, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I think he should start Morgan. Um, it does seem like he's planning on starting Rex. Um, it does, Dino's not like he plays things close to the vest, but he's not usually like super deceptive. I don't think. Um, so I, I imagine we'll see Rex out there if I had to bet. Um, I hope that it's like with a pretty quick hook. So we don't have to wait till the fourth quarter to see Morgan out there. Like if you want to roll Rex out there, like, you know, I'm not a huge fan of it at this point, but, like I want to see Morgan playing against ones and with like our full complement of guys and just see what he has. Like we talked about it a lot in the first half, but I just don't see the downside now. Um, Boston College, like you know, they're 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 much different Boston College team than what we're accustomed to, uh, especially offensively. Um, they've been fine on defense, but like you know, they've averaged like two and a half stats a game. They're not like a huge turnover team. I don't see this being like a super disruptive defense that you want to protect your young quarterback from. So. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I hope he starts. I, it just doesn't seem like Dino is there yet, which I, I hope he changes his mind. Yeah, I agree there. Um, Boston college for those that missed it, uh, lost a close one to Clemson, uh, 34, 28, uh, Trevor Lawrence did not play. Uh, he was spelled by uh, DJ Uyangalele. That is best. I that's, I close. Could. that's, that's about as close as the, the, uh, the three vowels at the beginning are killer. Yeah, it's um, it, it's just it's really tough, and and admittedly, like that's not his fault. Uh, so I I I, I hope I, I did it justice there. It also took us like a full year to Tundra Veloa. Uh, so I we will get there with DJ, who is uh, just a monster, <laughs> just yeah. a just a huge quarterback with a huge arm who is going to throw for a million yards in us over the next three years. Can't wait. Yeah, it's uh, Clemson is really good at getting those guys in the door. Uh, he uh, he ended up going thirty of forty one to three hundred forty two yards, two touchdowns. Um, also ran six times for twenty four yards and another score against BC. Uh, like you said, BC's defense is actually like decent. I mean, they're not they don't excel at any one thing. I think they're just better than they have been. I think the last like couple of years they've been a bit of a disaster. Um, so good for them for just being able to figure it out pretty quickly. I know a lot of fans uh, Syracuse are. Was pretty pissed off in general that the BC's been able to kind of get their legs uh, under them. Under uh, they were not in the same place. Like they took over a stale. It's I think there's a there's a big difference in taking over a stale program and taking over like a program that's bottoming out. And that's not to excuse Dino for not like getting more consistency at this point in his tenure. But like BC was like what they were the whole time under Narduzzi. He just like they needed to get invigorated. Like Adazio, another. Did I say Narduzzi? Yeah, Adazio, the Z. Similar meathead. It's a, it's been a long year. Um, <laughs> Same flavor of meathead. Just, just Daz and, sorry, I'm sorry that I mixed up Daz. Like guys who are literally nicknamed Daz and Does. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, Adazio. 
Um, yeah, they, I mean, they were just like, they were the same team every year and eventually they got tired of that. It wasn't like BC like fell to like, you know, late, late era Schaefer levels or G Rob levels. So I, I think I understand, uh, getting annoyed by, uh, by that, but I think you have to understand the context of like where they were coming from. Um, so it's not super surprising that Halfley has done a, a really nice job, like just getting that defense into form again, like they're not like, you know, crushing people. Um, but they just play rock solid. And then the offense, I think, is the bigger surprise. I, I thought Phil Jerkovic would be more mediocre. I, I don't think he's great, but, like, he's averaging 7.6 yards an attempt. He has 14 inter- uh, touchdowns, only four interceptions. Um, he does get sacked a decent amount. He, I don't think he's, like, super uh, super mobile um, in, the po- like, in the pocket. So you can get after him. But he's just been, like, I think, I think he's, he's just been plenty good enough for, for BC to be decent, and that's all they really want from him. Um, and then they've just spread the ball around a lot on offense, but it's it, they're, they're they're just not very good at running, which is hilarious because that's where their bread and butter's been. Averaging less than three yards a carry. Um, David Bailey's only yeah three and a half per carry, three hundred and four yards. Like Bailey was for for those that recall last season, Bailey was one of the uh, the the two running backs that punished the hell out of us. Yep, um, and I, I fully expect them to uh, to lean into that for as long as they can. I mean, and, and realistically, like I think Dragovich has actually done a decent job. I mean has, has uh, accounted for, you know, 1,875 yards through the air. Uh, but realistically, and I know Dino uh, joked about this in his uh, comments today, uh, Monday, for those uh, that are listening on Tuesday, which is most of you, um, you know, Dino said he had to learn how to, uh, how to get guys uh, transfers eligible quicker. Um, <laughs> you know, obviously, Jerkovich being in there uh, really saved – you know, BC from having to throw uh, Dennis Grozel, who, uh, who who did not impress last year and has not impressed this year um, in his time. Like having to throw him out there, I think you'd see a much different BC team that probably is around you know one and six, two and five uh, type season that that we're having and like Louisville's having. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely a big part of it. Um, and that's hard to like use them as an excuse that Syracuse entered the year with the quarterback that was supposed to be their like long term future right. at the position. Um, injuries obviously happen. Um, but Jerkovich has been like, if you're looking for a, like a transitional quarterback, um, he's been exactly what you're looking for. Like he's probably not going to be a superstar, but he will win you the games that you're supposed to win. He's put up really nice numbers. He spread the ball around super, super impressively. Like they have, uh, four guys over 250 yards in the year. Um, Zay Flowers is like a legit weapon over 500 yards so far. They use a tight end, uh, which, uh, hopefully we like see and adapt to, uh, Hunter launched their leading receiver at 41 receptions, 478 yards, three touchdowns. Um, they have six different guys, or five different guys who have caught touchdowns. So they're doing a really nice job of like kind of feeding everybody. Um, and it's better to Jerkovich. I, I wasn't sure what to expect of him to see, you know, he was just kind of buried at Notre Dame behind Ian book. Um, but he's been just really a solid player for them. Yeah, I agree. I mean, realistically, like you said, he's, he's somebody that no, he's not going to let say light the world on fire, but he's going to play relatively well enough. He's not necessarily going to lose you games. Um, he's not as flawless as like a uh, like a Sam Hartman. I mean, Hartman like is not like this amazing quarterback either. But he's somebody that that plays to minimize mistakes, and that was something that you know I kind of hit on before the game last week. Uh, definitely didn't help Syracuse's style of play uh, this time around. I think BC to some extent like does play into what SU wants to do. Um, they are going to throw the ball more. Uh, they do make mistakes here and there. I mean, not a ton, but enough to, uh, to make us at least slightly hopeful. And what they have eight looks like eight. Yeah. 
eight giveaways on the year uh, for BC. That's not a ton, um, but it's enough uh, to maybe get SU some hope again. Like, you know, last week there's only like one or two like near picks, but realistically, like they did just fine. Like if, if, if any opponent is going to, you know, put the ball in the air a, a little bit more and, and, and do so with, you know, at times at least questionable accuracy. I mean, Jerkovic is, was he 58%? Uh, it's like 61 no 61% you're right no sorry I was looking at his away splits uh, so 61% on the year so uh, not crazy but decent enough but yeah he's thrown four picks I think that's enough to uh, at least give SU some hope and I think you know uh, Fiti Melifonwu and Garrett Williams even if uh, Trill Williams doesn't play um, I think the two of them should be able to to at least pick off one pass um, in this one yeah, it'll be interesting to see who plays. Obviously, like our defense pets played such super like high very like high impact ball the first couple of weeks and without Sisto obviously for the year and uh with Trill the last the last couple of weeks, like the guys who have stepped in have been quite good and it's like another encouraging sign with those young defensive bats. But um if you want to win, I think like having a guy like Trill who can kind of turn a game on a big play um is huge. So hopefully he's back. I don't really know what the timeline for him is, but um, it is nice to, to be able to say we have like one of the better quarterback duos in the, in the, uh, country, I'd say with Williams and, uh, Melifonwu. Yeah. I know we got into this a little bit last week, but yeah, having from the start of the season, at least like four potential, like future pros, um, is pretty great. I know, uh, I think the streak continued, but I know going into this past week, Garrett Williams and, and Melifonwu were the, had the two, had the most targets, at least according to pro football folks, the most targets, without allowing a touchdown um, on the season uh, of any players in college football. Uh, so I'm pretty sure that streak, those streaks continued. Um, I'll double check at some point this week, but if that did continue, you know, great for them. It's great to see us be able to, to show up like that. I, I am curious what this team does though, running the fall, the football. I know they haven't done it so well this year, but we already know that at least Bailey is, uh, is talented enough to kind of carve through us. Yeah, I haven't watched enough BC. I caught a little bit of the Clemson game, um, but again, I was like kind of avoiding college football. Uh, just did myself some time off from it. But I mean, um, I make it a point not to watch BC. Just uh, I mean, in, re- <laughs> in recent in recent years, at least. That's fair. Um, yeah, I just haven't seen enough to like know if it's like an offensive line issue, which is also weird for them because like BC football for so long has been like really good offensive line play no matter what, and as a result, they run the hell out of the ball. Um, I don't know where the where the the major issue for them is because, as you said, like we saw Bailey be pretty good last year, um, and this year he just has not been efficient. Yeah, that to me is just like, and, and I'm pretty sure like I've seen some some notes about um, you know Bailey expressing frustration too, and like it's just part of it's you know a utilization thing, like realistically, like he's just not getting used enough. Um, and given how good he is and how like he was considered like an all conference guy and considering going into the season, BC had several all conference players um, on this line. Like you would think that uh, they'd be better, but I'm looking at like the pro football focus grades uh, while we're here uh, run blocking really North Carolina game was the only one they had like decent run blocking score 76.3. Well, they had Virginia tech 78.3 um, and those were both losses but yeah, not not really great run blocking grades um, all around. Uh, they've been much better at pass blocking this season. Definitely a weird, uh, definitely a weird one for them. And again, considering that like these guys were kind of seen as potential All Americans coming in, or at least a couple of them were. Um, it is weird to see the offensive line like be not not a complete like 
point of contention, but at least like a, a question mark uh, for BC. Uh, also, while we're here, not to interrupt, but like uh, according to uh, Pro Football Focus, Rex is the worst rated quarterback in college football for guys who've hit the uh, snap minimum. Yeah, not great. Cool, cool. No, so yeah, if he starts, if he starts on Saturday, it's nothing against Rex personally, <laughs> but if he starts on Saturday, uh, Dino is kind of punting on this season uh, completely, and that's that's definitely not something that you should want to be seen as doing as a coach, especially one just who like, like has questions around him. You're punting on like the chance for like meaningful development in game, and I just don't, I don't see the argument for that. Like, it's just. I understood the argument for like, let's get through the Clemson game and just like let Rex dive the team. He's the veteran. Uh, we don't want to like throw people into position where they're going to hurt their, their future potential or like get to discouraged or anything. Um, and like mission accomplished, like they played hard against Clemson, but now just like, let's, let's, let's let the kids play. Um, like I just, uh, again, not to rehash what we talked about in the first half, but it's just like, I think we've seen enough and it's ready to turn the page and, and try to get something out of, out of this. And, uh, yeah, BC. There's there's no better time than now. Let's let's do it. It's and then head into the bye and <laughs> and hopefully uh, get some good practice time with uh, with Morgan. Um, and like maybe that's the plan. Maybe they're looking to get through bye week. Um, we've seen that like at both levels where you can make a switch. They, the Miami Dolphins just did it. But um, I don't know. I think that's that's fine. But I, I think you're kind of wasting a, an opportunity. Yeah, because I mean, this season like almost certainly does not matter. Um, uh, under any circumstances. But uh, Dan, what does matter, I guess, to some extent is whether we win or lose here, or at least if we like compete and, and, and look good doing so. Um, what do you see happening in this uh, game against BC on Saturday? Um, I'm going to be relatively optimistic and say we keep it pretty close. Uh, I think BC will ultimately win it. Um, but I think we'll, I think we'll be more competitive than we have been, than we were this week. Uh, I'm going to go, I'll go Boston College, I'll go 31 21. That was what I was gonna go with. Let me go with thirty-one to. <laughs> let me go thirty-one twenty. It's it's outrageous how often we do that. I know. Uh, this is what happens when you uh, when you host a show together for like most of a decade. Yes, just like a total mind meld on the score predictions that we do not discuss at all for any moments before this. We just kind of come. I mean, that was completely off the cuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> when, when, I mean, when you know you're Syracuse, you know you're Syracuse. And, and realistically, we've also been talking about BC on this show for like so long that I, I feel like I, I feel like we do just intrinsically know what we're getting out of them, even even with a coach and quarterback change. Yeah, it's just we've seen the movie. So yeah, I I, I think that's that's probably the right type of game. Maybe it's a late score. Maybe it's something where BC uh, pulls away late. Uh, but in any case, like I I, I think where. I think this team, to me, I'm assuming Morgan plays at least half the game. Uh, maybe I think we'll definitely see him. It's just a matter of, like, do we see him before it's too late? Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, realistically, I, I think I think the more Morgan plays, the better SU's odds of winning go up. I don't think they're going to win, even if he does uh, play the majority of the game. But I'd like to see him given a, give a chance to Syracuse to fight through this one and see if they can pull, up, pull off an upset. And honestly, like getting a win with Rhett would be nice. Getting a win with a freshman quarterback would be like a really good shot in the arm for the fan base. Like, and I know like there, there's not ticket sales to worry about this year and whatnot, but it still matters. And like going to the next year, year. Really matters. <laughs> yeah, it definitely matters uh, in that regard. And like you will see a lot more tangible excitement if Jacoby Morgan goes in there. And even if he's like not great, but if he goes in there and like 
throws for 200 yards and a couple touchdowns and look, doesn't make any like glaring mistakes. Or even if he does, like, you know, who cares the freshman and like has a couple plays where you can kind of see the, see the, the vision with him. Um, and like the offense just moves better. Like, and you, if you beat BC, like there's, there will be tangible excitement for probably the second time all year. <laughs> yeah. And there's so, a, you know, it's, it's a nice FU to BC on, on top of that, that too. Yeah. You, you just get the fact that like, yeah, cause their fans are kind of obnoxious sometimes. Um, but you, it is much as they exist. Yeah, true. But you also get like, like think about this, uh, like Zach Mahoney, excited fans here and there. Zach Mahoney, yep. one in ten as a starter. Right. Eventually, it wears off, and like, like Mahoney was off. doing it. Mahoney was doing it in like a really much. interesting way, and also <laughs> against like Clemson and LSU. Right. Like realistically, like Zach Mahoney, like again, one in ten as a starter. Zach Mahoney, also owner of several passing records somehow. Uh, but but realistically, like somebody who you were at least interested by what was going to happen. And I just feel like with Rex, like the intrigue is gone. Like it's, so let, let, let's, let's please just try something new. Yes. Anyway, uh, Dan, any other thoughts before we head out today? No, just hope everyone again, go, go vote tomorrow if you haven't already. Yeah, agreed. Go vote. Um, you, you know, do your civic duty, uh, exercise your, your rights. Um, maybe while you still have them, who knows? Uh, <laughs> In any case, uh, that was Dan. I'm John. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Train Noons, an absolute podcast. You can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Megaphone, uh, TuneIn, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you might listen to podcasts, Spotify as well. Uh, but wherever else you listen to podcasts, and go orange. Go orange. <laughs>